0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the Matt Lombardo Show presented by Heavy. I'm Heavy Sports Senior NFL Insider Matt Lombardo. As always, great to have you here. And we have a dynamite show in store. Joining us in just a couple minutes, Pittsburgh Steelers star wide receiver Chase Claypool off of catching the game-winning touchdown to lift the Steelers past Tampa on Sunday. We'll get his thoughts on that game, where the Steelers are headed from here, And his pregame superstitions as well and a whole lot more we'll also get into some of the most impressive performances of the weekend what i'm hearing on the nfl trade deadline some names that have become available and what their value might be and a whole lot more as always if you enjoy the show i'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe in the apple podcast store spotify soundcloud throw heavy sports alike on youtube and leave those five-star reviews they really help grow the show you can follow me on twitter at matt lombardo nfl but let's get into it. We'll welcome in Chase Claypool, Pittsburgh Steelers star wide receiver. He joins us on behalf of Tide, reminding everyone to wash those lucky jerseys. And you can be sure to follow Chase on Twitter at Chase Claypool. Chase, how you doing, my man? Thanks for taking a few minutes today.
1: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. And, you know, we're having this conversation catching you at exactly the right time. You really broke out on Sunday. Take me through that game winning touchdown, what it meant for you kind of turning a corner this season, and just take me through the play. What was that like for you?
1: Uh it was uh it was super fun. You know, it's um it was much needed. Obviously the, the win itself and then um a good performance on top of that. So it was super nice to, you know, be able to put that full game together as a team. I I feel like so. It was uh it's like a big weight was lifted off our shoulders a little bit.
0: And I know that Kenny Pickett, you know, got hurt during that game, but, you know, he's one of those highly touted young quarterbacks, came in and really had a big impact in training camp, saw that build. He's gotten into some game action the last couple of weeks. You obviously, obviously spent a lot of time with him during mini camps and training camp and, you know, running team reps with him. What stands out about Kenny Pickett and gives him the best chance, chance to succeed, in your opinion? I think uh,
1: the the biggest thing that he has going for him is his confidence um, in his gameplay. He uh, is one of the most confident dudes that I've met. So uh, I think you kind of need to be that when you're a quarterback, especially for the the Steelers, because things aren't always going to be easy.
0: And you're kind of a veteran receiver at this point, right? And you've caught passes from Ben Roethlisberger. You've been on the receiving end of passes from Mitchell Trubisky. Can you pick it now? Now, Mitch again. You know what kind of adjustments do you need to make as a receiver going from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback? What have been some of the things that you've had to tweak in your game as you've gone along here with these different quarterbacks throwing you the football?
1: Yeah, each quarterback has a different sort of style or preference when it uh, when it comes to like where they want to throw the ball in the field, where they want you to be in uh, different zones. So I think it's really trying to get an understanding and. And trying to get inside their head in terms of you know being on that same page when it comes to timing, um, when it comes to the spot on the field, uh, when it comes to knowing when to look for the ball. So, I think you 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 gather that information through camp and through hanging out with those guys off the field and in the locker room. Um, so, luckily, I've been able to do that with uh, with these two guys in our locker room now.
0: Has there been a difference for you when it comes to that? The biggest difference, maybe, on the field in live action between can you pick it a Mitchell Trubisky?
1: Is there any difference? Did you ask?
0: Yeah. The biggest difference so that you might have like in a game where you kind of have to adjust something from your timing perspective or something that might be a little bit different about that connection that you have with one versus the other.
1: Um, not too much now because, um, yeah, I feel like I've been able to practice with both of them throughout all of camp. Um So and I feel like they're similar in the sense of I guess our offense is just similar in the sense of, you know, the timing should be the same no matter who the quarterback is. Um, There is some maybe somewhere else like in the middle of the field, um, like seeing balls that that are slightly different. But I think uh, Kenny and I and Mitch and I are still working, working out the exact timing of that
0: yeah it's really fascinating that you've kind of had to learn the timing with two quarterbacks over the course of one training camp and now into this season and you were a high profile rookie coming into Pittsburgh in a tough as nails football centric town. you've gone through that. What advice do you have for Kenny as he goes through his rookie season at quarterback?
1: yeah, there's always going to be highs and lows uh, and when things are going good and you know they're going good but When things are going bad, they seem to be going a lot worse than they actually are. So I think he just has to be able to um, cancel out the outside noise, which is what he's been doing, um, and never let his confidence waver. Because, uh, like I said, his confidence is his biggest thing, and he can't let anyone uh, to turn him off that.
0: And I know Brandon Marshall has kind of developed into a mentor of yours in some respects. What, what have you learned from your conversations with him? What's that relationship been like for you? And what have you been able to take from from that experience learning from him?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing that we were trying to work on is more of the X's, X's and O's of football. And just like, you know, expecting what the defense is going to be doing or understanding them more. Um, understanding how to beat different corners and how they play. So uh, he's offered me a lot of knowledge in, in, in that region. So super, super uh, excited, super psyched, super lucky to have him as a mentor. But um, I think we just got to keep building that relationship.
0: What have you learned in terms of like beating press coverage or or against certain corners that maybe he was able to tell you that you kind of picked up from your conversations together?
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things was um, try to find um, a tendency that they do or a tell that they do. Um, something that will um, point towards whether it's going to be, you know, man zone, whether it's going to be quick jam, soft press. It's just little things that, um, you know, a lot of players have these tendencies that you can try to
0: like find and exploit. Yeah. And I think a guy who's really shown the ability to exploit some of those things is George Pickens right out of the shoot. I mean, this kid comes in, he's making an immediate impact. I look at that catch against the Browns. I think it's better than the Odell catch because he was falling away. He had the guy, he had the defensive back draped all over him. What has he been like? What makes him special as a rookie coming in and contributing immediately?
1: Yeah, he, you know, he adds instant depth to the team. He adds a deep field presence and the down the field presence um, that makes defenses have to um, respect it, whether they have to send a, Um, safety up, or if if they have to push their corners a little bit back. So, um, you know, George is an insane athlete, so it definitely helps everyone else out on the field.
0: Insane athlete is kind of the term that I've had thrown around when I talk to people around the league about you, especially when it comes to contested passes and your catch radius and all of those things. You know, when you look at other receivers around the league, and I'm sure you watch the Thursday night game or you pop on film – who has one of the, the more impressive catch radiuses that, that you see in the league right now?
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to um, kind of like compare those things because it just seems like um, people in the NFL um rec- the top receivers always find a way. So I know we haven't heard, um, you know, too much about DeAndre Hopkins as a late, but he's a guy that I always, um, that I in college watched a lot, and it just seemed like anytime there was a ball in his vicinity, uh, he'd be able to make that catch. So I'm gonna say he's the number one on my list right now.
0: Is DeAndre the guy who you molded your game after coming out, whether it was in college or growing up? Who who did you admire growing up and want to pattern your skill set and your game around?
1: Yeah, I think um, I mean Calvin Johnson's the, the obvious answer, but I think bigger guys like. um, you know, uh, Julio Jones is a, is a good one. I think I look at Mike Evans now. I'll look at, you know, some of the better route runners like Keenan Allen, Devonte Adams, and Cooper Cup and try to, like, take a little bit from each game and then build it into my own.
0: Not not a bad set of receivers to pat in your game after, right there. some of the best in the game and have been the best for for a long time. Now, I know you joined you're joining us on behalf of Tide. You've partnered with Tide to try to convince fans to wash their lucky jerseys. So what would it take you? what would it take to convince you, Chase Claypool, to wash your lucky jersey? What would it take?
1: Yeah, ah oh man, because uh it's that's a hard answer because if you ask, asked me that question a couple of years ago, I would have said there's nothing that would, that would allow me to do that. But uh, when I came in the league, um, you know, Tide offered for our Jersey swaps, um, Tide actually washed the jerseys. Um, and when I got received the Jersey, it just looked so much nicer in the shadow box when it was all nice and clean with Tide. So, Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to team up with Tide so we can tackle those superstitions. Uh, Around uh, lucky jerseys because I I was one of those guys who had never washed my lucky jersey and now I find myself washing some of the the jerseys that I that I have now. So
0: um, even would, after you got it signed, because I know that you, a lot of guys like to get those jerseys signed after the game, that you'll even wash it with the the autograph on there with Tide.
1: Um, you know what I'm I have been um I have been experimenting with that. I get <laughs> washed and then delivered. Or um, shipped or received, however you want to look at it. But what would it take for me? Um, I don't know. Uh, not too much. Not as much as it as it once did before.
0: There you go. Do you, do you have a go-to Tide product that you you make sure that you use at home, or that you tell them, "Hey, w- when I get that jersey from Mike Evans, I need to make sure it's washed with this Tide." Do you have Do you have a go-to product?
1: For sure. I think um, the Tide Pods and the Tide Unstoppables. um, You know, I think it makes doing laundry a lot easier uh you just throw the clothes in and you throw a pod in um and i think it's that's as easy it can as it can really get so um the tide pods are probably a lifesaver for me yeah
0: oh absolutely i agree now before i let you go you mentioned you have some pre-game superstitions are, are these new have you had these your whole life or what, what what are the superstitions that you have going into a game day
1: Yeah, so I think they would change. It's not um, something that I've had the same one, you know, since I was a little kid. Um, But, for example, in college, for some reason, I would always have um, the last thing I would eat before I play a game would be uh, one piece of lettuce. I would just walk out to team meal room, grab a piece of lettuce and eat it. I did that all college. And then this, uh, my superstitions or my routines or whatever, um, I have to. Run a full lap around the field. I do that before every game. Um, I used to do that uh, with my teammate James Washington. That's who I started that with. So I still do it in his uh, in his memory. He's with the Cowboys now, but
0: I still- you always see like college head coaches always do the lap around the field. They walk around the field before they you know get into the locker room with their team. And uh, you know you running the lap beforehand. I guess it just helps you zone in, right? Helps you focus on on the task at hand. No doubt.
1: You know, you get a little feel for your environment, even if it's someone you've been somewhere you've been before, like, you know, your home stadium. It still just sets you into that setting, I would say.
0: And do you have a lucky jersey? Did you have one growing up? I know you probably your game day jersey, of course, you feel some affinity to. But did you have a lucky jersey as a kid?
1: I Yeah, I, um, you know, my first football jersey that i wore on a team that was my lucky jersey so i never really wore it, it wasn't one of those fan um it wasn't like it was an nfl player or cfl player anything like that um but it was my own jersey and i just thought it was super
0: cool because it marked like the beginning of uh, a journey now you get to watch it with tide he's chase claypool Turk steelers star wide receiver joins us on behalf of tide you can follow him on twitter at chase claypool chase appreciate the time my man look forward to talking to you further up the road and Best of luck the rest of the season. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on. Always. He's Chase Claypool and, and coming off a really big game this year, his strongest performance catching all seven of his targets over 90 yards, the game-winning touchdown. And I just think their fast their situation on offense is really fascinating because you talk about coming into the year, and they were all in on Mitchell Trubisky, and you saw the struggles and the inconsistency early on. And all of the calls from Matt Canada's head, the offensive coordinator, you watch the game on Sunday. Of course, if you're like me, you have Twitter open, you have all the stats open. You watch me, I'm watching all the games, but you know, you keep track of what's happening in Pittsburgh a little bit. People are unhappy with Matt Canada. And all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett gets knocked from the game. They put Mitchell Trubisky in there and they just find a way. And I feel like that's the type of a win against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, who clearly aren't what they were. They're not the threatening team that they were a couple of years ago. They look like they're pretty far away from being a Super Bowl team this time around. But that's a really big win. And Claypool was instrumental in that. And, you know, the Steelers are loaded at wide receiver right now. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. People thought that Chase Claypool was kind of the forgotten man. He introduced himself back to the NFL in a really big way on Sunday. And I think that momentum builds. And I think that if the Steelers decide that they want to move in a different direction or they want to trade him, I I could see a very strong market developing for Chase Claypool. I think there are a lot of teams that feel that they're a wide receiver away. And Claypool could make a real difference, a real difference on a lot of contenders. But the team that's the biggest contender of all, the team that I think has emerged as the team to beat in the entire NFL, it's the Buffalo Bills. And I thought what they did on Sunday afternoon was as impressive of a regular season victory that we've seen in the NFL in years. And in a lot of ways, it was because of how they did it, where they did it, and what happened the last time they were in Arrowhead, because the Bills really have matured before our eyes. The Eagles in the NFC, they might be the most complete team in football, top to bottom, in terms of roster depth, in terms of key talent at key positions, but it's hard to argue. After what Buffalo did on Sunday afternoon in Kansas City, going into Arrowhead Stadium and punching the Chiefs in the mouth, throwing the last haymaker in the biggest moment of the game, it's really hard to argue that the Bills aren't the best team in football by a wide margin. And it's not just because of the 99-yard epic drive in the first half that Josh Allen led or the 63-yard drive in a really key moment in the second half where Allen went 9-for-9 passing. It's not just those two drives. I mean, they were they were the type of drives that go down in in team lore. If they go on to win the Super Bowl as a pivotal, season-altering, legacy-defining type of a moment. But it's beyond those two drives. The Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, who's probably the MVP right now. They've turned Gabriel Davis into a star, into a household name, into a superstar. You look at what he did on Sunday, Look what he did against the Steelers last week in, bu- in Buffalo. He's their slot receiver, and he's great, and he's a deep threat. He takes the, the top off of a defense. If you take Gabriel Davis out of Buffalo, he would be the number one wide receiver on 20 teams. He's that good. And oh, by the way, they have Stefan Diggs, who might be the best deep threat in the entire NFL. And Dawson Knox catches a touchdown in a big moment after losing his brother earlier this season. I mean, you you can't script this much better than what the Bills are doing right now. But we mentioned that the Bills have evolved before our eyes, right? And we all knew that Josh Allen is arguably the best quarterback in football. We all knew that offense going in was going to be one of the more explosive offenses in the league. But the evolution of that team is really about the defense. They win that playoff game last year when Patrick Mahomes beat them in the final 13 seconds in arguably the greatest quarterback duel that we've seen in the last 10, 15, 20 years in the NFL. It was better than any Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning showdown that we've seen. It was better than all of those rivalry games, that AFC championship game back in January. But the Bills win that game, and I'm convinced of this, after what I saw on Sunday, if they had Von Miller. Because Von Miller on Sunday afternoon, he won that game for them. That game was tied after the first quarter. It was tied after the second quarter. It was tied going into the fourth quarter. And the biggest play of the game, when the Bills' defense was on the field, with Patrick Mahomes taking over with something like a minute 20 to go in the game, Von Miller made the biggest play of the day. Came flying off the edge with that swim move, was right in Patrick Mahomes' face, and forced that interception. If he's on that team last January... They go to the Super Bowl. And I know that Patrick Mahomes took care of business in that game and they had Tyreek Hill in the big play and obviously the huge play to Travis Kelsey and they did what they needed to do. But if Von Miller were on that Bills defense last year in the AFC title game, I really see that game ending a lot differently. So who catches the Bills? Who can beat them? Can anybody knock them off this pedestal? Listen, I think it's going to be really tough for anyone in the AFC not named the Kansas City Chiefs. All of these other teams have flaws. Even the Monday night game this week, Chargers and Broncos. I have a hard time believing the Broncos are going to turn things around. I have a really hard time watching that Chargers team. I knew they got away with it, but that defense consistently underperforms, even with Khalil Mack and Bosa. The offense, I love the aggressiveness from Brandon Staley on fourth downs. I don't love the play calls. I think too often Brandon Staley goes for it in the right moments on fourth down when the aggressiveness is justified, when the analytics tell you to. And he makes the wrong play call. I don't know that you overcome that. I don't know that you overcome that. You know I'm all in on the the Cincinnati Bengals. You know I'm all in on Joe Burrow. I think he's a top four quarterback in the NFL. Jamar Chase, you saw what they were able to do back in New Orleans. That defense is going to get them into trouble. That defense is going to hold the Bengals back. So I don't know who beats the Buffalo Bills. I don't know who has the horses. I don't know who has the depth. I don't know who has the talent on both sides of the ball other than the Kansas City Chiefs. And here's the problem. Here's the problem the Chiefs are going to face. That given some unforeseen, for not for some unforeseen collapse by the Bills and tripping up in a couple of conference games, they have the tiebreaker now. They have the head-to-head win in Arrowhead Stadium. So now the stage is set. If things don't change and the Bills go into the postseason as the number one seed in the AFC and the Chiefs, the second best team in the AFC, maybe the second best team in the NFL, certainly top three, now you got to go into Buffalo. Now you're going into the banks of Lake Erie in January in the wind and the cold and the snow. And all the elements. But more than that, you're walking into an environment with a fan base. Maybe the most rabid fan base in the entire NFL. Bill's Mafia. Just watch the tailgate videos. Listen to that stadium when they're fired up and rocking and rolling. You have the most explosive team in the NFL. Arguably the most dominant quarterback this season. And that fan base in the elements, that fan base that is looking for a a release of all of the weight and all of the the challenges and all of the struggles and all of the heartbreaks of 30-plus years in a conference title game. I love Patrick Mahomes. I think Steve Spagnuolo is, is a great defensive coordinator. Andy Reid might be the best play designer that we've seen in 20 years. I don't know who's walking into that maelstrom and winning the game. I just don't know. So I think the Bills are legit. I think they're for real. I think they've evolved, they're better than they've ever been, and they're still the team to beat. Can the Chiefs go into Buffalo in front of a rabid Bills Mafia with 30 years of heartbreak on their shoulders? Good luck. But before we get to thinking about the Super Bowl, before we get into thinking about who's going to host conference championship games and all that, the trade deadline is just two weeks away. And I know we touched on a couple of the specific markets on the show last week, especially defensive end and tight end is kind of being slower to develop. We'll probably start hearing some more names thrown around in the next couple of weeks. But things are really starting to heat up. As I reported on Sunday, the Buccaneers are shopping running back Keyshawn Vaughn, who who knows what that market is going to be like, right? Because we all know what running backs are in the NFL. We all know that if a team needs a running back, they can just Go to a practice squad. Pick a veteran off of a practice squad somewhere and not need to give up a draft pick, right? But Keyshawn Vaughn is young. He's got a lot of tread on the tires. He's only like 25 years old. He hasn't been active this year. If a team saw potential in him in the draft a couple of years ago, what's stopping them from flipping Tampa Bay a fifth-round pick if they think he can be their number two running back on their roster or that they're a depth running back away from making a real run? I think there's going to be some sort of market developing there. Someone may take a flyer. I don't know who that someone's going to be, but Keyshawn Vaughn is available. And I think he's going to be a name to watch as the deadline approaches. But the biggest name that I've come across, who I know for a fact is available, and I reported on Monday at heavy.com, is available via trade as the deadline looms, is Jets cornerback Bryce Hall. And I spoke to a general manager on Sunday night who really likes him. He's only 24 years old. Two weeks ago, Bryce Hall was second in the NFL. Two years ago, second in the NFL in forced incompletions, according to Pro Football Focus. He's an ideal fit in a press man scheme. So I could see teams, a handful of teams, who play press corner in their defense, being interested here, kicking the tires here. And I think the team that jumps to mind is the New York Giants, who remember the Giants had a joint practice with the Jets back in training camp. And the big thing about joint practice is it isn't just getting your team a different look. It isn't just about lining up against another team and getting able to really turn your playbook loose against a team wearing a different uniform and against a different defense that the tape doesn't get circulated to 30 other teams like it does in a preseason game. The real benefit of these joint practices is you get an up close look at that roster. Not just for roster cutdown day when teams are, you know, cutting the bottom. 20 players of their roster and you have hundreds of players across the league available. You got to see them in your building and studying their tape off of those practices, but it's for times like this. It's for when you're six, seven, eight weeks into the season and you're banged up at corner or you're a cornerback away, or you feel like you need to fortify your secondary. That's when you pick up the phone and you make a call to Joe Douglas. So I think the giants with that huge advantage, from an evaluation standpoint, could really be in the mix here because they desperately need secondary help, especially if they're going to keep this going against some of the quarterbacks they still have to face after opening the season five and one. The Niners are banged up. And I watched the NFC West. You know, you look at the Rams on Sunday afternoon. There's something missing there, right? Seattle, Maybe. Maybe the Seahawks are the team to beat in that division. Geno Smith certainly is having a Cinderella season and a late career renaissance for sure. Can't take that away from him. But my point is, there's opportunity there for the 49ers. But not when you play like you did on Sunday in Atlanta. Not when your defense is as banged up as it is right now, especially in the secondary. Bryce Hall is an ideal scheme fit for the San Francisco 49ers. So I could really see John Lynch picking up the phone and making a phone call there. They have nothing to lose. And finally, you have the Eagles, who we mentioned them, team to beat in the NFC. I don't know who the second-best team is. Nobody really comes close right now. I think the Eagles are the second-best team in the NFL, maybe the top team in the NFL along with the Buffalo Bills. But they don't have a long-term answer opposite of Darius Slay at corner. We know Jonathan Gannon loves to play press man, right? They have James Bradbury, sure. But Howie Roseman has a ton of picks. Eagles have a ton of cap space. He's young. Maybe the Eagles pick up the phone. We know Howie Roseman has an affinity for Joe Douglas. We know they work together. What's stopping the Eagles from offering a fourth-round pick when they have two ones next year? I could see him landing in Philadelphia. I think the Giants, the Niners, and the Eagles are ideal fits for Bryce Hall. So what can they get for him? What can the Jets reasonably expect to get for Bryce Hall? I talked to an executive on Tuesday morning, and he told me because of the position that he plays, cornerback is now a premium position right alongside edge rusher, quarterback, just ahead of wide receiver, offensive tackle. It's in the mix. It's one of the more important positions on a roster because of his age, because of how well he played last year. The executive says Bryce Hall is probably worth a mid-round pick. So you're talking a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder. So would Joe Douglas and the Jets take it? They have DJ Reed. Sauce Gardner looks like Daryl Rivas right out of the shoot. I mean, look at what he did on Sunday in Green Bay. Would they rather have a guy that they've made inactive for several weeks than a fourth round pick, even a fifth round pick to keep building around Zach Wilson and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave? Well, Chris Olave is in New Orleans, but around Garrett Wilson. And then you look at what they have on defense with Quinn. Quinn Williams and Quincy Williams and all that defensive talent. Yeah, I think that there's a real good chance Joe Douglas would take that fourth or fifth round pick for Bryce Hall. I really do. And speaking of the Jets, we're talking a lot of New York Jets on this podcast because guess what? The Jets are back. They're back. When you go into Lambeau, I know the Packers are kind of stuck in neutral right now. I know as an executive told me this week that that offense is as ugly as he's ever seen it. There's still a mystique about going to Lambeau. It's still Aaron Rodgers. He won the MVP a year ago for crying out loud. But the New York Jets take home this week's Lombardo trophy. And if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. But we give out the Lombardo trophy every week. The Lombardo trophy goes to the unit or position group or individual who makes a statement. Damn it. If you make a statement on Sunday or Monday night or Thursday, you're taking home the Lombardo trophy. This week? It goes to the New York Jets front seven. It was a big week for the New York football Jets. Quinton Williams. I also named him my week six MVP of the week in the Monday column. Go read that at heavy.com. My 10 reactions, 10 biggest takeaways from Sunday's action across the NFL. But the Jets front seven sacked Aaron Rodgers four times. They harassed him relentlessly in the pocket all day. They knocked him down. They drove that win. The Jets' defense made a statement in Lambeau Field. And Quinton Williams played like a man determined to break Aaron Rodgers. And he just might have. Jordan Love finished that game. Looks like a thumb injury or, or something for Aaron Rodgers. But what the Jets did, that front seven, leading the charge of a 27-10 to 10 win, it showed the Jets are getting better every single week. And they are that defense is the perfect complement to an offense that can flick a switch It can just run the ball down your throat. This is a really good football team. And I know they're playing a crowded division with the with the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins are going to be in the mix there. We'll get to the New England Patriots in just a minute because I think they're starting to peak and get hot at the right time as well. But I think the Jets are a team that if they can sneak into the postseason, if they get in the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be really tough to beat because they do two critical things really well. They run the football. Brees Hall is legit. He is a as dominant a rookie running back as we've seen in this league, maybe since Saquon Barkley in 2018. He might be better than Saquon was in 2018. They stop the run, and they now have a relentless pass rush that is disruptive. And game-altering. So I think the Jets are certainly a team to watch that could make some noise in the AFC. And if nothing else, the Jets' front seven takes home the Lombardo Trophy for this week. Now let's move on to the pick of the week. Last week did not necessarily go so great. You know we go for covers here. We very nearly got the backdoor cover with the Dallas Cowboys in Philadelphia, but the Eagles are just too good. Jalen Hurts is too good in the clutch. They're too good in big moments at hammering down and running the football and having Miles Sanders salt out the win as they did last week. Cooper Rush was a turnover machine. But we're going to go 2-1 and on the season on Monday night. This feels like a lock. This feels like can't miss. Bears and Patriots. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. I'll say it until I'm as blue as this shirt that I'm wearing today. The Chicago Bears need to help Justin Fields. They need to get him some wide receiver help. And that's beyond, beyond extending Darnell Mooney and keeping him around so those two can build chemistry, which I reported both sides are very interested in doing by the time that he's eligible at the start of next season. There's momentum there. But their offense is so limited. It's so limited. There's just... You can't win in the NFL running Navy's offense and running the ball 30 times per game, averaging three yards per carry or whatever it is. You look on the other side. You look on the other side of the sideline on this upcoming Monday night game, and you have Bailey Zappi, who's playing some incredible football right now. His quarterback rating over the last three weeks, 107.4, right? In an overtime loss to Rodgers and the Packers in Lambeau, 100 in a blowout, shutout win over the Detroit Lions. And his best, most recently, Sunday in Cleveland. The Patriots win. Bailey Zappi's quarterback rating in that game, 118.4 against a really dominant front seven against Miles Garrett, who set the single the career sack record for the Browns in that game, sacking Zappi. Zappi got the last laugh. And I was speaking to a New England Patriots coach on Tuesday, and he told me point blank Matt, Bailey Zappi is really fun to coach. He's a fun quarterback to coach. You know what else is fun? Winning is fun too. And the Patriots are starting to do a little bit of that. I think they do a lot more of that this week. I think the Patriots do it again. Bailey Zappi does it again. I like the Patriots to win this game. Give me New England over the Bears. We go for covers and they're seven and a half point favorites over a Bears offense that can't figure it out and a defense that couldn't get off the field late last week against Carson Wentz and the Commanders. I like the New England Patriots. The fighting Bailey Zappies is my pick of the week. For this week in the NFL on Monday Night Football. What a fun show this was. Really enjoyed the conversation with Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Chase Claypool. Check out those Tide Pods that he's so fond of. And you can wash your lucky jersey with those Tide Pods as well. If Chase Claypool trusts trust them, maybe you should too. Thanks to my producer, Thomas Darrow. Tremendous job, as always. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Throw us a like on YouTube. It's the Matt Lombardo Show. Please leave those five-star reviews. They help grow the show. You can follow me on Twitter, at MattLombardoNFL. I am heavy.com, NFL insider Matt Lombardo. It's a lot of fun. We'll talk to you next week.